It's Tuesday, the 4th of April, 2017. I am Rowan Yellow, and this is Tectasm episode 49. Not so Palmer lucky after all. And with me again, because he has missed doing the show, is James Woodall. It's been, what, two weeks, maybe? It's been too long. <laughs> I think it's been more than two weeks, but there you go. Um, now, listen, this week, James, we're going to take a look at some stories covering those two weeks including Palmer Lucky quitting Facebook, Samsung's S8 biometric face scanner doesn't work, and LastPass has a serious flaw. And we'll be judging these stories and some others to tell you if they are. Techtasm, a blend of technology for tech, tech for technology and tasm for phantasm, something existing only in a person's mind. So without further fluffed intro, let's get on with the show. So in the Economic Times, you mentioned in the headline there, Palmer Lucky has quit Facebook. So uh, Palmer Lucky, if you don't know who he is, was the founder of Oculus, which was or is the maker of certain VR headsets, which we've spoken about many times on the show. Uh, the company was acquired by Facebook for a couple of unicorns. Was it back in 2014, 2015? Yep. And uh, Palmer Lucky became a somewhat of a black sheep. And although a, clearly a pioneer in the VR world, certainly uh, somebody at the forefront of the VR world, he upset uh, techies alike when it turned out he invested in Donald Trump's presidential campaign. So what's, uh, what's interesting here, and I guess a, a question is, did he know he was leaving? What? Do you mean the timing of his leaving is coincident with, you know, are you what are you saying is the cause and what is the effect? The effect is him leaving, but what's the cause? Well, the, interestingly enough, um, at the latest uh, Oculus conference, which was held last year, he wasn't anywhere to be seen, which was yeah, odd true. because he's pretty much the major force behind the Oculus headset and he was certainly the uh, poster child of that. But after the whole Donald Trump uh, revelation came out, he um, he sort of disappeared and wasn't seen. And um, I think maybe this was a long time coming for Facebook. Well, the question is, is, <laughs> is his name um, a correct description of Palmer Lucky? Is it his political activities which meant that his position became untenable? Or was it actually issues with the oculus rift itself because it's suffered a little bit hasn't it? it's been eclipsed somewhat by the hdc vive system which is of course uh, it's shipped with hand controllers which the oculus didn't uh, it seems to have the backing of the software vendors uh, they got into a nasty spat with um, oculus got into a nasty spat with htc over the compatibility of games between the two systems which is all a bit unpleasant uh, and i think it seems to have suffered in terms of sales in comparison do you think that zuckerberg has uh, you know has fired him off well interestingly enough you've missed one thing as well um, they were successfully sued uh, late last year uh, from Zenimax, who I believe are the company that id Software, that own id Software, where John Carmack, the CTO of Oculus, came from. Uh, and uh, Palmer Lucky himself had to pay out fifty million, and his other co-founder Brendan 
Arb, Herb, whatever, Uribe. Well, hey, we we can debate how to pronounce Fantastic the name some other time. Um, to be proud. Was ordered to uh, pay 150 million. Yes, and those are big. That's big money. And of course, I think that Zenimax suit hasn't that still got the potential to shut shut the whole you know the whole business down. Well, I mean, these things are never ending, right? Uh, so it's it's possible. Um, but uh, it, see, it, it says here that Zenimax sought $4 billion in damages initially. Some of the claims were actually thrown out, but despite all of that, it's still a bit of a smudge on the Oculus name. You know, people aren't thinking good things. I mean, the device itself requires a really hungry, powerful PC in order to run, which I know is not new in VR, but Oculus was somehow special where it required a really powerful PC to run. Um, I just don't... Yeah, I don't it think... It didn't it... have the room... It had a different... Whereas the um, HTC system had infrared sensors that you put in the corner of the room and very clearly, uh, you know, followed that that standing up system space. Um, it, it was unclear, I think, on the Oculus how it was done. It was more of a sitting down experience with a camera looking at the dots yes. actually on the headset, wasn't, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I, I tried the early prototype probably going back two three years now which was really interesting i haven't really seen the new one but i have not i much admit i have not used the oculus system i've used the htc system a couple of times but not the oculus system so i can't really say so palmer lucky what's he going to do next and do we care um i think he's got enough money to do whatever he wants and no i don't care fair enough well, listen, in the Ars Technica, your favourite publication, Ron Amadio, our favourite journalist, reported that the Samsung Galaxy S8, the fat new Jesus phone with the edge-to-edge, top-to-top screen from Samsung, its face recognition biometric feature has already been defeated with, you guessed it, James, a simple picture. Now, the device comes with a ton of biometric authentication options. You get a the fingerprint reader and iris recognition and face recognition. Um, and, but Spanish Periscope user Marcianophone apparently takes a, took a selfie with his personal phone. This was actually at the launch event. Took a selfie with his personal phone, then showed the selfie to the Galaxy S8, which he had trained to unlock with his face. And then after a couple of minutes of fiddling, it shows the S8 giving him access with just his photo moving from the secure lock screen uh, to the home screen now it's kind of obvious really isn't it? if you think of it, 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 it your face unlock system has to be a bit more sophisticated than that well interestingly in the same article it talks about how google tried this a couple of years ago and with the same exactly the same problem and they decided to fix it in answer so this was android 4.0 they fixed it in 4.1 by adding a liveness check that asked the user to blink so this was bypassed by the user taking two photos one blinking and <laughs> one not and uh that's that's it i mean you know it um so it, what it about the iris scanner uh the the iris scanner is different right because it's looking for effectively a signature a fingerprint inside your iris so I don't know, quite know how that would Why be. Why would you use the face unlock if you had an iris scanner in it? Um, I think it's possibly... You know when you buy something in the shops and one's got five features and the other's got six and you go for the one ah. with six because you think it's got better value? I think you may have hit the nail upon the head there. 
this whole face face unlock is a, a massive tech chasm and in as you hint heavily there samsung's increasing desire to chase the maximum number of features that it is possible to fit on a spec sheet yeah but they're also remember samsung have got a bit of a damage control to do with the whole note problem from last year so i think by adding all these and i quote cool features uh perhaps they're going to try and get people to forget last year's um mistake they always sling in a load of features and the problem i've got actually is that the competition apple do the opposite i'm not saying you don't get features in iphone i'm just saying that you don't you know you don't if you get an experimental feature it invariably works and i think the problem here is you know while they might have got the iris scanner and thinking everyone would be focusing on the iris scanner Actually, all they're doing is looking for something to, <laughs> like us, something to criticise, something that doesn't work. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they're definitely throwing everything in, in the kitchen sink, so... Uh, clear yeah. phones, that's what's coming next, apparently. The iPhone 8 will be a clear phone, this is what I'm hearing. Okay, well, where, where will they put the, um, the electronics? In the bottom. That'll be a clear phone, just like on The Expanse, you know, that TV show. Uh, okay, I don't know. I think we'll wait and see. Um, okay, so uh, is there a tectasm here? We didn't do a tectasm on the previous. Yeah, there is. Tectasm is flipping Samsung, slinging in a load of features that don't work into every phone they make. Okay, okay. Well, moving on. Life hacker Australia, Rhett Jones, has been talking about LastPass and an exploit where there's a way of a malicious user getting access to some of your passwords. Now, for our audience member, LastPass is a really great vault. I say great because I use it personally. For storing your passwords and helping you have random passwords for websites so you don't have to remember them. Uh, And also they are naturally secure. So I know that most people out there use the same or a variation of the same password for every site that they use. Well, that's a bit of a problem if somebody was to find out what it was. So password vaults and password managers like this get around that. But obviously, you're putting your trust and faith in the fact that they'll look after your password. And it appears that Tavis Ormandi from Google's Project Zero has discovered a vulnerability in the latest version of LastPass that is described as a major architectural problem. Now, it's Project Zero's policy not to disclose the vulnerabilities for 90 days. So we don't know yet exactly what exactly this is, but it's serious enough for LastPass to issue a statement basically saying, um, be careful, avoid phishing attacks and try and use two-factor authentication. (laughs) Avoid phishing attacks and try to use two-factor authentication. Well, the problem with this always was that it was a single point of failure. Did you know, James that hackers target antivirus software if they want to infect a machine because A, there's invariably more bugs there than the operating system and B, they're everywhere. So they just look for the biggest door they can find. The problem with LastPass is everyone went around saying, oh, isn't it good? Isn't it great? And everyone should trust it. And of course there was going to be a vulnerability. There's going to be another vulnerability after this. So I think the problem, the idea of putting your passwords, the whole world putting its passwords into one place, was always going to be a problem. And this was not only inevitable, 
but laughable that this happened. I don't have an alternative, by the way. <laughs> the way I do my passwords is my own secret source. And I, in, in, in the way that I do my passwords without telling anybody how I do them, I've probably protected myself because the more popular something becomes, the more of a target it will become for hackers. Yeah, this is true. I mean, the the concept of LastPass and the way they go about encrypting them is really, really good. So effectively, they are encrypted many, many, many times in a vault, and you as the user have the only key to unlock them. So from an encryption perspective, I think it's top notch. The problem, of course, though, is the edge when they go from being encrypted to clear text which happens on your own local pc and effectively this is a google chrome vulnerability yeah i don't know if it's necessarily a chrome problem or not but there's a vulnerability in the way that the google chrome version works which basically allows the vault not not necessarily to be open i don't think that's what's happening here i think there's just some cases where a password or two can leak out effectively of this vault Yes, it's having those convenient places where you need your password to be delivered to your Android, to your iPhone, to your web browser, to, to, to applications on the desktop. Having those multiple points of egress for this information is, was always going to be a weak point, um, simply because, you know, how many lines of code have you got to write to make it secure? Say you were writing something where you were just exchanging confidential information between two iPhones, right? You could pretty much probably lock that down, could yeah. you not? Because you know the code set, it's quite small, it can't be leaked anywhere else, and you've got private public key certification going on. The problem here is that they've got so many platforms to serve, it was inevitable that, you know, with so many languages to support, that uh, there was going to be a vulnerability. So it, I don't think this is a tech tasm for me, because I, I, I completely predicted it in my own head a year ago when I decided not to use LastPass. I mean, we did we did discuss this probably a year ago, in fact. Did I say the same thing, or was I beautifully inconsistent? Um, I think you were fairly negative at the time, so you're consistent, <laughs> so it's good. Hurrah, good for me. Yeah. Well, The Verge reported this week, J Jacob Kastensnakis, I've probably butchered that to death, for which I apologise, but a fabulous story about Amazon's cashier-free store reportedly breaks if there are more than 20 people in it. Now, we've talked about Amazon Go on a previous uh, show, haven't we, James? Yeah, we have, yeah. Well, I'm just to remind you, the Amazon Go store is a fully automated store. You walk in, you pick up what you want, and you walk out again, give or take, but there's no lines to wait in. Um, now, apparently, it, it only works if there are less than 20 shoppers inside it. And apparently, Amazon are having trouble tracking products that are being moved from their proper spot on the shelf, too. So presumably, uh, one, it tracks people inside the store, and two, it tracks when products move from being on the shelf to being off the shelf. Uh, and a combination of those two technologies... Um, allow you know your basket to be built up and your account to be built now they had been planning to open the store by the end of march that deadline's now passed um, and uh, you know they haven't been able to build this wonderful store where people walk in pick up items walk out again um, without having to wait in line so they're having to uh, to dial back on it hilarious yeah i would have been really interested to try it i have to say maybe that's just the geek in me I think there's a geek in me as well. Um, 
you know, in a way, you think about it, you go to Tesco's, you get your, your shopping, you go to the self-scan, um, you know, get one of the self-scan bleepers, bleep, 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 you go to the checkout, you just walk out again. I mean, in a way, we're already living this dream, aren't we? I suppose this the difference here is you don't have to scan the product. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. So there's definitely an, an added convenience factor. Although I use the Tesco shop thing personal shopper thing all the time and scanning your products is not really a big deal no oh in japan apparently they're very big on vending machines that are everywhere where you can go and just bleep 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 and just show it your credit card and off you go so i mean that's a relatively frictionless experience as well uh, but obviously amazon and others want to take all friction out of the retail uh, experience now apparently according to uh, the article here according to jacob um, the Amazon wanted, of course, to put something on the high street which would set it apart uh, as it moves into bricks and mortar, set it apart from other stores. Um, they have got five bookstores, don't forget, mm -hmm. and they plan five more. So it is obviously a growth opportunity for them, but obviously they need an edge and they've failed to get one here. Yeah, it does sound like they're, trying, they're going very slow, which I suppose is good because, I mean, maybe going back to the Apple approach, right, they want to try something, small audience, see how it goes. And didn't I read that it was just employees only at the beginning for this this particular st store? You may be right, you normally are. So is there a tectasm here? Uh, I don't think it is a tectasm, James. I think they're going to keep going until they get it to work. Uh, and if they don't get it to work, it will just quietly disappear. So I think they'll handle it like pros. Like a boss. Okay, okay, well... Final story, um, electric flights. Well, I, so Patrick... I want one. <laughs> yes, definitely. Patrick Grafton Green in the Evening Standard, Evening Standard, has uh, written about electric flights. So standard. Is... Standard. Standard, yeah. That's definitely, that, that's never <laughs> ever going to get old. In 20, no, in 10 years' time, supposedly... There will be planes that can carry 150 people on journeys of less than 300 miles because short-haul flights like this make up 30% of all commercial airline flights and represent £20 billion market. Wow. You're standard. Is, is that your comment? Standard. Yes, it is. I think it's brilliant. Um, uh, why not is what I say. If you think about it, you know, even using current battery technology... Lithium-ion is great. It's got a high discharge rate. It's heavy. Fair enough. I'll give you that. Um, but for short haul, brilliant. Quiet. You could land, have airports in places where you couldn't before because of the noise of takeoff. Um, it would be safe. An electric motor is a very simple thing, isn't it, really? I mean, it's just, you know, they're showing the, the kind of, I suppose, mock-up they've got in the picture in the standard... It looks like it's got a, you know, a portion of the wing has got some inlets at the front. You know, let's say the first half of the wing has got some inlets at the front and clearly air is passing through that and out the back. Or, or is that a propeller? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. But, you know, in, in essence, you've got a couple of electric motors and a load of batteries. I mean, uh, you know, how, how simple can you get? Other than the turnaround time, which wouldn't be very good uh, because you'd have to recharge all the batteries, of course. Oh, but they could always do... You remember how Tesla, and they never did it, but talked about replaceable batteries? So you could go... Well, the other way to do it is with hydrogen, of course. 
This is very true. This is very true. I mean, the thing is, this company, Wright Electric, doesn't really go into any details. And they have actually said that they can only do this if advances in the battery technology actually continue at their current rate. If that doesn't happen, they do have a design for a hybrid system of both electricity and jet fuel, which would still be pretty cool. A hybrid plane, I think, sounds quite good. And honestly, a hybrid plane sounds a bit more realistic, to be honest, than a uh, than a, a completely electric one. Although saying that, wouldn't a hybrid... I suppose a jet engine does actually need fuel, doesn't it? You couldn't have a jet engine that didn't burn fuel. I think uh, my understanding is that when it burns most of the plane's fuel when it ascends and then goes effectively on a slow descent towards its uh, towards its destination using, you know, with the engines running at quite a low speed. Mm. So, you know, some kind of hybrid system where whereby, it, you know, a lot of energy is expended with multiple engines during the takeoff phase and one of those engine systems is then put dormant uh, during the descent, possibly using electricity to do the descent. I, I don't know. But yes, maybe a hybrid. Why not? I think it's ripe for it just in the same way that ships are ripe for advances in engine technology and most importantly, cars. Stop buying diesels. Standard! So definitely not a, not a tech tassum, then this is... Standard. It's not a tectasm, and I want I want to ride on one. That is all week for that, that is all we have for this week's fabulous show. You can find us at usual at facebook.com/tectasm. Subscribe in the usual places and contact us at feedback at tectasm.com. Remember, if you are subscribed on iTunes, leave us some stars. It's an important part of the process. We record very occasionally at about nine o'clock, so watch out for more episodes coming soon. In the meantime, this is me, Sir Robin of Yellow. And me, James Woodall. Asking the question, is it real or is it just a tectasm?